The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about consumer privacy and consumer credit. And we have a wonderful guest who's been on our show twice before. She's a great expert. Let me tell you a little bit about Chi Chi Wu, who is a staff attorney at the National Consumer Law Center in Boston. And the NCLC is a nonprofit, is nonprofit organization focusing on marketplace justice for low-income consumers, but it really affects all of us as consumers. Chi-Chi is an expert on consumer credit issues ranging from credit cards to medical debt to fair credit reporting, and she is the co-author of the legal manuals for Fair Credit Reporting Act and Credit Discrimination, and a contributing author to Cost of Credit, Truth in Lending, and Collections. Uh, collection actions. Chi Chi frequently serves as a resource for policymakers and the media on consumer credit issues, and she's testified in Congress. And she has previously worked in Consumer Protection Division at the Massachusetts Attorney General's Office and the Asian Outreach Unit of Greater Boston Legal Services. You can find out a lot more about the great work that NCLC does at nclc.org. And I'm really thrilled because I'm on a listserv and learn so much from Chi-Chi. And always I'm so glad to to have her as an expert on our show. Chi-Chi, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Mari, for having me again. I'm really pleased to be able to be on your show uh, for a third time. And it's great to share this information. Let's just uh, tell the audience a little bit more about how you got into all this with credit and privacy and all, uh, all these consumer issues. Uh, well, I started working in the area of consumer law when I went to the Massachusetts Attorney General's office. I spent five years there and worked on a range of cases, um, some uh, about privacy and credit reporting and some about work-at-home scans and uh, immigration consultant fraud. Um, it was when I came to uh, National Consumer Law Center that um, they uh, asked me to be the co-author and lead editor on the Fair Credit Reporting Act manual, and I've been doing that since 2006. Um, and so in working on the manual, I also work a lot with a lot of the private attorneys that handle Fair Credit Reporting Act cases. Um, there's a, a 
very a good community of attorneys that specialize in FCRA cases. Um, a lot of them are on the website for the National Association of Consumer Advocates, or NACA.net. Um, it's a tricky statute, and, and that's why we always say, you know, you sh- if you think your rights have been violated, you should check with an attorney who knows this law. It's a, it's a, the Fair Credit Reporting Act can be a tricky law to um, file a lawsuit under. Right, and I know you've worked so hard on these manuals, which I have in my office, and, you know, you are the person, the go-to person, and I guess when you have to write these manuals, you really have to dig into it and, and figure out what the heck they're trying to say, because this statute is can be very, very cons- you know, confusing, and especially for consumers who don't even know their rights. So let's talk about, because people always say to me, well, I should be able to sue on that. I should be able to have some kind of private remedy. So let's talk about what a private remedy is. Well, uh, that's a very good question because people think that if Congress has passed a law or state legislature has passed a law telling a business they can't do something, and if they do it, the, the consumers feel like they should be able to go to court and enforce their rights. And it's a very logical thing to think. But unfortunately, the way the law is is that uh, the there has to be a private remedy. You have to have the ability under the law to bring a lawsuit to enforce your rights. And that's not always the case. Um, it's not always the case with consumer laws. Yeah. And, and people get very upset. They go, well, gosh, you know, if it's a law, why can't why can't I get damages for this? You know, if they've if they've hurt me. So let's talk about really why private remedies are so important. Well, private remedies are important, so important because it, we sum it up in a very short saying: a right without a remedy is no right at all. Right. If you have, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to coin a phrase, yeah. Uh, if you have a right or you have a protection, but you can't go to court to enforce it, it becomes toothless. It. You know, it's not really protecting you at all. If you have to rely on a state or federal regulator to protect you, sometimes they will. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of state and federal regulators that work really hard to try to enforce the law, but there are only so many regulators out there, and they have to prioritize. And, you know, sometimes they just don't have the resources to go after every wrongdoer. And so it's important, especially for things like consumer laws, that when there's been a violation, when a company has done something wrong, the consumer should be able to go to court and say, give me justice. I've been wrong. Give me justice. Um, and not have to rely on an underfunded and overstretched enforcement agency. And, and you know, well, that's such an important issue because when you think about the Fair Credit Reporting Act and you think about the... Um, you know, the Federal Trade Commission that has jurisdiction. And you think about the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which has jurisdiction. They really can't represent you or me individually. They can maybe go after a company or go after some agency that's wronged you, but they get the money we don't. And they don't, they, you know, maybe will go and say, don't do this again, and they'll find them. But basically, the individual doesn't get any remedy, right? Well, and, and what you're talking about is the best-case scenario where the regulators do go after the company and, and do get some sort of penalty right. against the company. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean the consumer is going to get anything, and, you know, they may or they may not. It just depends on 
you know, how many resources that agency has and, and uh, how, you know, what their priorities are. And, you know, frankly, um, right now, for example, we've got this great new agency, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. But, right, right. you know, industry and others are pounding every day to try to defang it and take away some of its powers. Um, they've held the confirmation of its director, Richard Cordray, hostage because they want to make changes that would dilute the effectiveness of, of that agency. So, you know, unfortunately, um, agencies are all also under attack and subject to political pressure. And so it's really important that we consumers have our own right to go after companies when they've violated our rights. Yes. So let's talk about some of the consumer protection laws that you cannot get a private right of action, that you cannot file a lawsuit on your own. It has to be a federal agency or the attorney general's office or someone like that. Why don't you give those examples to us? Well, uh, one uh, example, one very striking example is the Truth and Savings Act. This is a law that requires banks to give you certain information before you open up a bank account. Um, that This law actually had a private remedy, but it was stripped in in. Uh, the early 2000s, and as a result, it's been really defanged. Um, the group, U.S. Public Interest Group, or U.S. PERG, did a study last year, and they found that over half the bank branches they visited um, did not give the testers or the researchers the fee schedules that the Truth and Savings Act requires the bank to give when a consumer asks about opening up accounts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these testers actually kept trying to get these fee schedules. Um, you know, after a couple of more requests, you know, almost 30% still refused to give out these disclosures. Um, and then more than one in 10 never gave them. Flagrant violation of the law, but because there's no private remedy, there's, you know, there's not really a good enforcement action against all these banks. I mean, over half initially didn't comply. Mm. Um, so yeah, let me ask you a question. So so banks are really uh, regulated by a couple uh, agencies. They're they're regulated by the controller of the currency, right? Is that that's one of them? And that's the, right. And the other one, and those that that one never really did anything for consumers anyway. And then the other is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, right? That's that they regulate banks now too. For the consumer. They regulate big banks, banks yeah. that have assets over $10 billion. And, you know, so they're just getting started with their regulation of these banks, and hopefully we'll see better enforcement. But, you know, it's, it's pretty bad when you have over half the bank branches not complying. And it shows really um, the impact of not having a, a private right of action. Um, another law, obviously, that your listeners probably care a lot about um, that has a mixture of provisions that do have a private remedy and don't have a private remedy is the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Right. Um, th- you know, this law is really complicated. It's difficult for consumers to, to conceive of this. Um, there's a private remedy uh, if you dispute with a credit bureau, but not if you dispute directly with the entity that supplied the information to the credit bureau. We call them furnishers of information or furnishers. Right. So um, let's just to help my, my audience understand. So like if you have a credit card with Citibank or Chase or whomever, they're considered furnishers and they furnish information about your credit and your lender for your house. Uh, they they provide uh, that they're a furnisher. Whoever reports to the credit reporting agencies are considered furnishers. So I just want to clarify that. That 
That's right, Mari. That's right. And then another important category of furnishers are debt collectors, unfortunately. Yes. yes. And so uh, when a, the, the Fair Credit Reporting Act actually regulates um, furnishers and says that furnishers cannot supply information that they know is wrong or that they have reason to believe is wrong. Right. So, you know, you, most consumers reading that law think, oh, well, my bank or this nasty debt collector uh, reported incorrect information about me to a credit reporting agency, I should be able to sue. But that's not the case. They cannot sue. Even if the bank or the debt collector, you know, supplied completely wrong information intentionally, um, they cannot sue under this provision of the, the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Um, and it's, it's a big barrier for consumers. Um, in, in fact, um, you know, there's been even court decisions that have criticized the statutory scheme, um, calling it troubling and, and imposing burdensome procedural requirements. Yeah. And so that's why this is if you're listening to this and you have some problem with your credit report and you you complained to the creditor because they reported wrong, you have to go back. And what you usually must do is you must first complain to the credit bureau and tell them that this is an error or this is identity theft or this was never your account or whatever it is. You have to report it to the credit bureau and then they go in. Well, why don't you just tell them what they do? Then they have to go back to the furnisher and help you dispute it, right? Well, so yeah, if you dispute with the credit reporting agency under the law, they're supposed to forward the dispute with all the relevant information to the furnisher, and then the furnisher is supposed to conduct a reasonable investigation. Right. Now, the problem is, of course, um, that the credit reporting agencies up to now have not been forwarding all the relevant information. They don't actually forward your dispute or the underlying documents. They just forward a code. So what we, we actually recommend is dispute to the credit reporting agency because that's what preserves preserves your legal rights. Yes. That's what allows you to sue. Send a copy to the furnisher so they actually get the dispute because right. if you rely on the credit reporting agency, they're just going to, you know, send a code and the furnisher may not understand and may not be able to conduct a reasonable investigation. So send the dispute to both of them and um, that's really important. Yes, and return receipt requested too because you don't want them to tell you as they have done with so many victims that have called me as they say, oh, we never got that. So you need to send it and make sure that they got it. And then if the creditor, if the credit bureau tells them that this is disputed and and then they come back and say, no, this is a, a true account, then what happens? And if, if the credit bureau puts it back on your, your uh, report... Um, so, you know, then you have the right to sue. It's after that point that you've disputed with the credit reporting agency. The credit reporting agency sent it to the furnisher. Um, you know, maybe the furnisher didn't conduct the investigation at all, or they didn't conduct a reasonable one. All they did was... Confirm it, own... yeah. Yes, they, they, all they did was verify it. And remember, the CFPB recently found 40% of disputes involved debt collectors. So Yes, they're 40%, the worst. <laughs> yes. So 40%, um, you know, and, and, and the credit bureaus always, always take the side of the furnisher. If the furnisher said this information is accurate, if they say verified, then the credit reporting agency will accept that, even if it's 
a debt collector whose motive, only motivation is to get paid. You know, they don't, their incentive is not to get the information correct. Their incentive is just to, to get paid. And so if they leave it on your credit report, um, that gives them that much more leverage to get you to pay. So um, it, it, it's, the, the system itself realistically has a lot of flaws. It's a broken system, and it, 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 it's got to be reformed. But you as the consumer dealing with this system, what you have to do at a minimum is exactly as you said, Mari, dispute with the credit reporting agency so that you preserve your legal rights so at least you have the ability to go to court and enforce your rights um, uh, if the furnisher and the credit reporting agency don't live up to their end of the law. Right. Don't right. dispute just to the furnisher. Don't dispute just to the creditor or the, or the debt collector because that's not going to preserve your right under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Right. But if you're a victim of identity theft, you're going to have to tell all of these furnishers that you're a victim of identity theft, and they they must stop reporting at that point. They have to stop reporting right away, and especially the the collection agency has to stop trying to collect from you too. So it's important, like like you know, like Chichi said, always do the credit bureau first, but then send a letter with a copy of your letter to the credit bureau to the furnisher or the debt collector, because you got to really cover your butt. And once you find that they aren't, you know, um, following the law, then, like she said, then you have the right for a private right of action. So let's talk about um, what else don't you have? You know, I know one of the things that we used to have in California is if you were a, um, a a victim of identity theft and you asked for all documents of the fraud uh, as a victim of identity theft, they had to get the creditor would have to send you their whole file within 10 days and they could not charge you for it. And if they didn't do it, you had a private right of action. You could sue them in California. And then what happened when it became federal law, then it got all the teeth out of it, didn't it, Chi-Chi? Yes, unfortunately, um, you bring up a good point. Um, you know, a, a con- you know, your listeners might think, well, you know, if the federal law is not that great, what about states? Don't they have the ability to enact laws to protect their consumers? Um, unfortunately, what we've seen is a lot of what's called preemption, and this is where a federal law so usually federal laws don't override state laws unless there's a, a direct conflict. Uh, somebody can't comply with both. But um, increasingly we've seen with consumer laws federal preemption. This is a tactic by, um, by companies in the industry where they'll say, we need a uniform state federal standard. So they'll enact something and they'll preempt any state laws that deal with the same thing. So that statute you're talking about for California um, it was actually a, uh, a model for a federal right that was um, included in the 2003 Fair and Accurate Credit Transactions Act, um, requiring uh, businesses to provide information to victims of identity theft, the records that they have. But unfortunately, that provision is another one in the Fair Credit Reporting Act that does not have a private remedy, so you have no right to sue under the federal law if, if the um, business refuses to give it to you, um, and and there is preemption. Um, so, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, for example, there are other state laws that require furnish, furnishers to provide accurate information, and those laws were all preempted. Now, I have to tell you, you're in California, so your Californian li- listeners do have 
a special right that no one else in the country has, except maybe Massachusetts. And that is California and Massachusetts, there are laws that say furnishers cannot supply information they know is inaccurate or uh, have reason to believe inaccurate. We're, we're, they were carved out from preemption. And it was just a few years ago that a court said, and California consumers have the right to privately enforce that provision. So um, your listeners who are California residents are, the, uh, are among the minority in the country right. that actually have the right to sue a furnisher for inaccurate um, information. Um, but, you know, that, that, that's it, California and maybe Massachusetts. And your listeners from other parts of the country, they're just unfortunately out of luck. Out of luck. And it's, it's, um, it's really unfortunate. Yeah, but, but there's that one hole, though, that's the big hole. I don't know if you knew this, but I actually helped write that law originally to make sure that victims of identity theft could get the information from the creditor and that they could sue. And I worked on that because when I was a victim back in 1996, I had a heck of a time getting any documentation to prove the fraud. And they would tell me that it was a privacy right of the in- imposter. <laughs> that, that I, was in, I swear that's what they told me. And this is back in 1996 before we had FACTA, before we had a lot of our California laws that I, that I actually helped work on because I went, this is crazy. You're telling me that my imposter has a privacy right using my name and using my credit? So um, they would never, they didn't want to give me the documents because once they give you the documents, then you can see the evidence, how crazy it was. So I was finally able to get the documents because I opened my mouth and I was in the media. And so then they would give me the documents. And as soon as I saw the documents, I could see how, how truly negligent these companies were, you know, that the, the person who stole my identity had applied for credit at an entirely different address, four hours north of where I lived. Um, the phone number was different. Everything was different. You know, there was no uh, correlation except my name and my credit. So that's why I realized how important it was to be able to get that. And I, I helped write that legislation and we were so excited to get it. And then when they preempted it, it just took, it was like you just burst the whole bubble. Because then I still have victims calling me all the time, Chi-Chi, and they say, you know, and they use my letters and they ask for the documents and they can't get them. They can't get them. I know. It, it, I, we hear about it uh, all the time from other attorneys, too, who, who help identity theft victims. They can't get them either. There is blatant noncompliance with this provision of the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And again, that's why private remedies are so important, because obviously if there was a private remedy and the consumer didn't get their documents, they could sue and get their documents and and get damages for the fact that they weren't able to get their documents. But they can't get any of that under the federal law, and the federal law preempted the California law, and it's... Um, it just rendered it toothless. Yes. So when you testify, and I know you've testified in Congress, and, and you, you spend time on the Hill and working with people on the Hill. So what is this all about? Why they've preempted it? They just, is they just saying that attorneys sue too much? Is that what this is all about? Why are they taking the teeth out of these? Well, that is a very good question. Um, why would Congress enact laws but not provide for private remedy and then preempt state laws with a private remedy. And 
Unfortunately, it's just plain old politics and money. Um, These companies have the money. They have the access. They hire very expensive lobbyists. Um, who are at the doors and in the offices of these um, Congress people and senators every day. Um, you know, during the battle to get the Dodd-Frank Consumer Protection Act enacted, the one that established the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, yeah. I think there was one statistic. We were outnumbered $6 million <laughs> to one or something. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> the industry was able to spend $6 million to our every $1. I mean, yeah. we are just so outgunned. And, you know, some members of Congress will do the right thing and stand with us, but unfortunately some don't. And uh, you just end up with these compromises um, that will, you know, look good on paper because there's a protection, but then... Um, they'll be gutted because they don't have a private remedy. And, and part of the politics is also the, the, the industry, the Chamber of Commerce, and all these um, uh, other uh, businesses that, you know, don't, they don't want lawyers to be able to sue them because they know that it's, it's lawyers that have been holding them accountable, these private attorneys suing right. on behalf of consumers that have been holding them accountable. It hasn't been, you know, the regulators. Um, what they really are afraid of is, you know, a, a good, you know, smart class action attorney. And so they've engaged in this, this campaign for decades now against plaintiff's attorneys, you know, everything from laws limiting uh, private remedies to just outright, you know, ad campaigns making plaintiff's attorneys look like they eat babies. Right, I mean, right. it's really terrible and they, because they know that plaintiff's attorneys are, you know, one of the strongest forces keeping companies' bad behavior in check. And you know what I keep thinking, Chi-Chi, because it's true, and especially in this economy, that the companies are going to, you know, terribly outnumber and and outspend anything that the consumer uh, nonprofits can do. But I think, you know, the internet could be that leveling field, you know, having videos, having people tell their stories. You know, when when we've gone to testify in Congress or we've testified, especially in California legislature, and you come in with real victims and they tell their real stories and they get it in the newspaper, that seems to have a great deal of impact so I think, you know, getting these victims to to actually make these little videos and putting them up like on your website and making them go viral, I think that would have a great influence. I don't know. That's just my perspective. Well, consumer stories definitely have a big impact. Media stories. There was, you know, recently a 60 Minutes report about the problem with the credit reporting yes. agencies. That yeah. really did... Uh, influence uh, a lot of policymakers, and then the other thing that can influence, you know, legislators is hearing from their constituents. Um, we may not have the ma- money, but we still, at least for now, we still have the votes. And yes, yeah. you know, if if people in Congress hear from their constituents that this matters, um, then they'll pay attention. So we, you know, may not have the dollars. We. Still, at least, knock on wood, have votes. Yes, um, yes, votes. So and, and using your member of Congress if, if this bothers you. Yeah, yeah. And, and put up those, you know, little YouTube videos on these consumer sites because I really think that, that when people tell their stories, and I've seen a lot of them on, online, you know, complaints against my bank, for example. I, I look at those and I go, oh, my gosh, you know, this is pretty horrible. But I think that is really going to be the only thing that works because there's just not the resources 
Now, um, I, we don't have a lot of time. I'm, I'm looking here. We, we just have a, a, another minute or so. What would you just, you know, is there anything that you would like to suggest that the consumers who are listening that they do besides writing to their Congress people, but what they can do for themselves? What's a couple, just a couple maybe points that you want people to consider when they're working, dealing with credit or, or debtors? Uh, well, we did mention earlier the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They just opened up the complaint hotline for credit reporting complaints. Um, they are trying to be more proactive about resolving these complaints than um, other agencies in the past. Um, so, uh, you know, if you're having a problem, we do suggest trying trying them, filing a complaint with them, um, as well as your state AG. Um, you know, dispute, but also uh, um, if you're not satisfied with the results of this dispute, complain. Yes. And if they go to NCLC, if they go to your website, website, org, can they get a list of attorneys that may be able to help them? Um, actually, the website to go to is NACA.net. Oh, that's right. NACA.net. N-A-C-A dot net. And they can find attorneys in their area that can help them with these kinds of cases, right? Yes. Excellent suggestion. Um, those are the folks you want to use if, you're, if you want to go after the credit reporting agencies and the furnishers. All right. Well, you are always just so filled with wonderful information. We can't wait to have you back again, Chi-Chi. Thank you so much for all the great work that you're doing, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mari. Thank you for your great work and for having me on the show. Okay, we'll talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy where you can see our upcoming guests, download podcasts, and listen to archived interviews. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.